follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. Uh, I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. This is probably releasing on Wednesday, and you know what that means. Guys, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing good, all things considered, but we're we're talking a really somber topic. Yeah. Uh, it's, our first, it's our first news show of the new year. Yeah. What, was, what, did this news hit the day after Christmas, or was it like two days after Christmas? <laughs> it it was the day after Christmas. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was yeah. trying to remember before we recorded. I'm like, oh crap! Like, because it, it feels like this happened like a really long time ago now. Well, because yeah, because it's been almost it's been like a week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Tonight we're gonna be <clears throat> doing our tribute episode to Brody Lee because as we are cursed to do after we record stuff, that's when things happen. So we're late on the train. Um, but we'll go ahead and get our, our shout outs taken care of. Uh, the first one's going to be collar and elbow, uh, the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com. Use the promo code four corners podcast. That's the number four capital scene course, capital PM podcast, no spaces, save 10% off your order. They are also one of um, a few different places that are doing um, a benefit shirt for Brody's family. So um, if you would like to do something to support support his family, um, yeah, they've got a, a Brody Lee shirt that I think mine <coughs> just shipped today. Um, and their stuff's always done on, on good quality material. And um, our other shout-out, which that means I pass the ball over to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Colon. Um, there, we'll talk about it uh, on the show, obviously, but there were a lot of wrestlers uh, and people who commented and kind of gave condolences and gave uh, eulogies of sorts to the family of Brody Lee and about Brody Lee, and Orlando was definitely one of them because uh, we follow him on Twitter. I know he, I saw it on his Twitter page he was talking about uh, just his experiences working with Brody uh, and how much fun he had uh, working with him. He didn't go into like a kind of long eulogies. Other wrestlers have done that who were yeah. a little bit closer to him, but he was definitely one of them. So uh, it's obviously much appreciated that Orlando did that because he has been out. He's been out of the company for uh, a couple years now, but <clears throat> it was really nice of him. Uh, it shows what a, a class guy that he is. Yep. So, um, like we said, um, unfortunately, uh, we lost Brody Lee after, um, well, 
his his wife's statement was it was a uh, non-COVID related lung infection, um, and it's you know this sucks. Uh, this is a guy who was he had been around for a long time. He was hitting the most successful part of his career. You know he had you know two sons, eight and three, and he, he was you know. Thing, he was he was just forty one, <clears throat> so and things were firing on all cylinders. And then, you know, we just hadn't heard from him for a while. I think everybody just assumes like, he got hurt after the uh, in the dog collar match. I think was the general assumption. Wait, yeah, well, no, there there had been some there had been some rumblings for about a month before this. Okay, because because well, um, Meltzer had mentioned. I think Matt and I talked about this at some point because like he was out and I think it was either that he had a leg injury and he was going to be out a couple weeks, but I think that was just to sell the dog collar match. But then everyone just stopped talking about it and no one would say anything. And then Meltzer mentioned, I think at some point in November that like there was something wrong with him that no one would talk about it. Or I know there was a point weeks ago where the fact that his condition was not being discussed was a thing. That's true. But Milter at that time, I guess because that's all he, all he knew he was still, I think kind of indicating it was probably like a leg injury, yeah. uh, but so he wasn't, he obviously wasn't intimating that it was as grave as it was. No. Um, but yeah, it was, I, so I didn't know, obviously, we, well, none of us knew, except for people in the family or, or, or specific people in AEW. But I did find it odd because he he went off television after the dog collar match. And then it was two months of just not really even, like, mentioning him. And you still have the Dark Order have matches. And they kind of went to the storyline of the Dark Order trying to recruit Hangman Page and I don't usually watch a lot of uh, being the elite. I don't. I'm not necessarily like a every week I watch that. But there's been a lot of stuff done with the Dark Order on being the elite in the last couple months, and it was weird because like Brody didn't appear on any of that, and he wasn't even mentioned there, even though the the Dark Order was heavily featured. So at some point in like December, I kind of became aware. It's like this is kind of odd, but. I, we've all been wrestling fans long enough. Like when they don't talk about someone, you're just kind of conditioned to think like, oh, like I guess, I guess like he must be injured. You just yeah. expect that. I mean, I yeah. didn't hear. I had not heard anything really. I didn't hear that that info from at the time from Meltzer that he had a leg injury. In theory, had a leg injury. But I just assumed like, oh, he must be like out, like with an injury, and that's why they're not discussing him. Yeah, because I think at some point I had thought maybe, like, he, like, tweaked his ankle or had to have surgery on something, and maybe they botched, like, part of the surgery. So that's why no one was talking about it, because maybe they, like, the, the you know, like, he had, like, a minor issue that became a more major issue because, like, something got... You know, like, remember Ultimo Dragon's, like, elbow? Something like that yeah, maybe yeah. happened. Yeah, that that was a big recurring thing, but um, the um, 
the the thing that struck me is well, you know if he's not on there and they they're not talking about him and then you know he's out for some reason and they don't want to bring it up because they don't want to overshadow what the dark order's doing with you know hey where's brody at all the time <coughs> what you know what that makes sense that gives them a chance you know a chance to kind of flex and do a little bit more than they had been and that sort of stuff but yeah this it's it's interesting um because after this happened i've been in the rabbit hole about it you know everybody talking about it and, and talking about their memories and that sort of stuff so <coughs> i probably got a bit uh <laughs> a bit too invested for a while but it was um that it went on YouTube. I think I saw it uh, yesterday. Is someone sent it to the the Cornet Drive Through podcast? And they're like, well, you know, what do you think? And Cornet said, well, I never met him, so you know, I, I honestly hate that this happened to the guy because, by all accounts, he was like the nicest guy in wrestling. The thing that just befuddles me is the fact that you know it was kept a secret. Because the old joke was, how do you want to make sure word gets out? Tell a wrestler about it. And it, it was kept so quiet, which to me just speaks to the respect that Brody and his family had from everybody. Well, based on based <coughs> on what Meltzer has described it as, and I think that's really the closest thing we have to any sort of knowledge what happened. But it seems like it seemed like. So he he was doing like a, a bike exercise that he couldn't finish and that was weird and he was having trouble breathing, and it seems like it went from that to in the hospital in dire straits within a matter of days. Like it sounds like this was like a very, very sudden, quick. Yeah. So yeah. I'm guessing I'm guessing that's part of the reason that they stayed so tight lipped because like it just went from zero to. It. Yeah. It progressed very, very quickly, apparently, because he, he did have the dog collar match. I don't know exactly when that was. I think it was, like, uh, early to mid-October. I was thinking I think... late September to early October. Would okay. Be. And then he was, according, basically, he was supposed to take a couple weeks off anyway, just as a kayfabe reason to sell the, the dog collar mm -hmm. uh, beating. But then he did a Peloton workout and allegedly like he couldn't finish it, which uh, I've never done a Peloton workout. But I mean, I've done like I've done like cycling workouts. I've done like boot camps and stuff like that, uh, and which if you if you are a, a novice starting that, like maybe it's really tough. But for a guy like him, who is obviously a, a trained athlete, uh, if you've done this like enough times, like you should be able to finish like you shouldn't just randomly have like difficulties doing this but i guess things from there progress pretty quickly i think they, there's obviously like very little that's come out but uh i think one of the things that had came out was that he had basically had to be airlifted to the hospital like he was in the hospital life by late october well, so I think things that didn't melter <laughs> pretty much just i think what melter said and i might be putting words <laughs> in his mouth so please do not treat this as an actual quote but i believe Meltzer said something to the effect of his lungs just like stopped working yeah essentially and it's heartbreaking not 
like we talk about the the rapid decline that he had, and that's bad enough. But the other thing that you know just makes this so rough to deal with is <clears throat> well, okay, so there have been a lot of uh, people in the wrestling industry pass in the last 20 years. But it definitely seems to me that this is the most, um, I, w- I want to use the word the most felt or maybe the one that seems to hurt the most for the most people since Owen. Um, or, or maybe since like Eddie, at least Eddie, but yeah, <laughs> this seems, at least to me, from their reactions and, the, and that that sort of stuff, this seems like even the even bigger than than the reaction with Eddie. Um, yeah, it, go ahead, and Matt. I'm sorry. It, I I, I'm sorry. Like this one, this one actually really bothers me, and I've I spent time the last like week and a half trying to to assess why. I mean, obviously there are there's tragedy there's the tragedy of it all. So it's it's I should be upset about it, but it really like bothers me. Like more than most, yeah. And there's been no shortage of death in the, the pro wrestling industry over the last few years. Thankfully, like it seems like that's kind of that's that's eased up. Because I mean, we we've all been fans long enough that there was a time when it's like every year you'd have wrestlers die. Yeah. I mean, not... there was a show we legitimately <laughs> went down the list of under I think 55 deaths in wrestling in the 2000s, and like I think we. I think it took us like 20 to 30 minutes on air to like read through the list. Yeah. To process all that. Cause it was, it was what mid nineties through like 2010 or something like that. Because it wasn't cause it, I mean it, I think, I think what's kind of caught people this time is he's the first like guy on a major active roster to die in a long time. And when we were teenagers in our early twenties, that was like a happened like three or four times a year at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's part of it that he's like active and he 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 was he was actually like one of their bigger stars if you think about it. He was probably one of their top heels and oh yeah would have been he would have probably continued to be so for another like couple of years. Um, I think the. I think it's also a thing about his age, maybe. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I try to like <laughs> not mention my age, but he and I were the same age. Like, I'm, I'm, I just turned forty-one. He was forty-one. I'm just, I'm turning forty in a couple weeks. Like, I think, I think that's part of what hit me though, is because he, he is of our age group, and like, mm-hmm. he was probably like came up on the same boards we did, and hey, a couple different turns in life, he could have been, you know a jackass on this podcast like <laughs> spouting like dumb crap about about wrestling like it could be you know it could be a guy you went to high school with or or um and you know what i mean like it, it does hit closer to home when they're your age yeah uh and he also has like small kids i mean i i my daughter's only like 13 months so it's not and i'm clearly i there have been lots of people out there who have kids but i think me being like a dad too also it affects me since like I just think about his family and his kids. Uh, so that that is another thing that bothers me. Maybe I think also just 
because he wasn't like my favorite wrestler of all time, which is not to say I wasn't a fan. I was a big fan. And I was really excited that he signed with AEW because I expected that he would, they would use him well, and they did. Uh, I mean, he basically took what many people thought was was arguably like the worst gimmick in AEW with a Dark Order, and he he started making them actually something very interesting and important. And we can we can talk about like the different ways because he actually. Uh, a lot of things that have been happening with Dark Order uh, on a positive side have actually been even some of the things he was suggesting and trying to rehab guys and, and trying to get them to get them over. I mean, John Silver's John Silver's credited <laughs> him with like everything like the last six months for like all of his improvements and stuff. He's like that. That was him like helping me and pushing for it because I mean, John Silver is a guy who has a tremendous amount of, amount of talent like i didn't i thought honestly like a, six months ago i thought john silver like this guy's a jobber he's a jobber like that's all he is and i have gone not only 180 on john silver since then like i think that this kid has like a bright future in the industry because he's a good worker um he has an interesting look and the biggest thing is that and then apparently this is something that brody really pushed for is that the guy has John Silver has ridiculous charisma and apparently Brody like recognized that and was like, you need to let this guy like talk and just let him be as goofy as he wants to be. Cause it's going to get him over. And it has been like his John Silver's work on like being the elite has blown him up. Like he is now somebody that people are really invested in because they know that he's actually like a really interesting, funny, charismatic guy. Um, I I also you talked about it on the podcast like several months ago, mm-hmm. and um, I went out and watched it because I don't really watch Being the Elite. It's just not my thing. But I did watch the segment with Trent Beretta's mom <laughs> and bringing them food. And he's like, "They say your food's terrible." Yeah, um, and that that bit where he's like, <laughs> like hitting having um Sue hit. John Silver with the papers, like they he, that, that's become stri- like a like a running gag and a callback. Yeah, because he's like no, like she messes up. He's like do it again. He's like fall down. Yeah, he basically broke kayfabe and he's like you sell for Sue, fall down. And you could tell, you could tell that people there, if, if, to the extent that they could, were barely barely hiding the, the laughter that they were, the, the genuine laughter that they were feeling, because it was so funny. Yeah, and, and I think I, break. I think that that was um, I think that was actually the last appearance uh, of him on being the elite. I don't know if that was no his last appearance. His last appearance like ended up being one of those weird warrior things where, he, like, <laughs> they had that running thing where he wouldn't let John Silver sit down because he hadn't earned his respect, and his last appearance was telling John Silver that he could sit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which ended up being like really like weird, you know. Really poignant. Yeah. Um, the uh, Matt, you you hit on a lot of stuff that for me that's part of why it it struck home. But another thing that really uh, jumped out at me is we 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 touched on this, <clears throat> but the sheer network of people who have talked about how missing Brody, you know, is affecting them. 
uh, I mean, we, we could do a, a huge list on this. John Silver, like you said, he's he's done uh, a big thing about that. Um, he got a shout-out from the Toronto Maple Leaves. Yeah. Wow. Because that was his favorite hockey team. Like, he got he got a shout-out from them. Uh, this is just, it's just an aside. I don't know if you saw this on, uh, on social media, but there was just some fan in Britain, literally, like, across the pond, who did a, a Brody Lee like mural, like yeah. a huge ass mural on the side of a building. I saw that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, oh, like it. it <laughs> it's almost like photorealistic. It almost looks like an actual like photo of him that was just uh, colored and slapped up on a building. Yeah. It's it's quite good. Yeah. Even um, <laughs> even like fans that have shared like random Twitter interactions with him. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's one, like, where a guy sent him... Because I guess his DMs were open. Oh, that was, it, uh... That sent him the, uh... The... the Chuck Taylor stuff. He's like, is this for me? And the guy's like, yeah, like, I thought you could use some encouragement. He's might... like, oh, yeah, That was Matthew more. from Botchmania. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that was Matthew from Botchmania. He's... That, that was on his Facebook, I think. He said, this is the only interaction I ever had with him. But, um... You know, I wanted to share that. <laughs> well, and, and someone someone posted something somewhere where like they had done fan art of them, and I don't know if they gave it to him or not. But he just like randomly like DM them on Twitter. He's like, "Hey, I liked your fan art." Yeah. Um, it, okay, we're dealing with a guy like everyone who has talked about him has had, you know, just just great things to say over and over again. And it's this huge network because it's, you know, the indies and WWE and AEW and just all over the place. And <clears throat> the thing like, cause you know, when, when something like this happens, they're going to get some people in front of a camera who are like, yeah, I knew him. And they're they're They don't want to speak poorly of him. But then on the other hand, there's kind of this like, I knew him, but, you know, we weren't whatever or, or something like that. Everybody has just been, I mean, I know we're talking about a, an industry of carnies, but everyone has just come off so heartfelt and devastated by it. And some people who I presume <coughs> are closer or were closer to the family, um, you know, I mean, Big E went through just this series of trying to process uh, Biggie's, everything. Biggie's Twitter feed when the news broke and for days afterwards was it, it was incredibly like bittersweet to actually read because on the one hand it was we got to see like so if you if you had a chance to read it um, you got to hear a lot of really really great Brody stories mm-hmm. like poignant funny heartwarming uh stuff that would make you laugh stuff that would like warm your heart like just, but it was also really really sad because you could tell that man he and Brody were like very close to the point where uh I mean even uh, <laughs> Brody Lee's wife has said like like Biggie is basically was basically family yeah and you got to see him basically trying to process everything in real time and it was rough but you could you could mm-hmm. tell how much he was hurting yeah and just trying to 
It's like the okay. As far as Twitter goes, it's the only time I've seen someone quote unquote tweet through it, where it's actually gone well for them. Oh yeah, they're actually trying to, to trying to tweet through their emotions. That's, um, that's a good point. And yeah. like Z- Xavier Woods was just on like anything about him for like the week after. I think even now, like he just cries through it. Yeah, he. It seems that Brody was particularly close to the new day. Um, and um, I, I'm I'm going to piggyback with you there for a second, Matt, because like another one who was really poignant, like Bray was really poignant about it. Bray Wyatt, could, his his he only posted one thing about it, but you know, whenever you're grief processing and it you, you just kind of start going and you kind of have this verbal vomit of trying to get all of these thoughts that you feel are so important and need to be said out, but you can't really or Like, that's what his thing was. It was this Instagram post with this giant wall of text. It, that His was... His was not... Um, it, that was not bittersweet. That was just pure sad. It was just really, like, heartbreaking. The brown <laughs> one was pretty sad, too. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. the guys in the Wyatt family, even, like... Uh, Rowan, yeah, his was pretty. Uh, well, they were all sad. Yeah, Rowan's um, appearance on the tribute show. Mm. That was because the sign that he had, um, which I think was "Goodbye, brother. I'll see you down the road." That had mm. to be something Brody said to uh, Eric at some point. Like that. That's that is the only. The only thing I can figure out about why he would have that particular phrasing figured, and, and it seemed super important to him <clears throat> the way he was he was holding it. So, like everyone's going to have a tribute in their own way, but you know, just just kind of the way he was reacting with it, it's one of those things where you're trying to read intention behind it. But there were so many people and talking not just about how how great bro how great a friend he was <clears throat> but the other thing that, that really gets me is talking about how good of a a dad and a husband he was because mm-hmm. let's be honest it, it the the wrestling business is just rife for people who are are wanting to you know philandering and running around and or hound dogging or whatever term you want to use um, but to hear someone who is being such a devoted family man to the point that it's like inspiring other people and, uh, everyone having such like, that was one of the most important things they would say, you know, he's talented in the ring and he's a great guy. But the thing that shown about him was that connection with his family. And if you really want to get a kick in the gut about it, go find Eddie Kingston's statement from the tribute show. I mean, him and Kingston have, like, a long, yeah. like, I think they, like, came up together and everything and, you know, went through Chikara together and, yeah, they're going to get to do AEW together and. Yeah, but, I mean, Eddie's, Eddie's statement was about Brody, but it was more to Brody Jr. It's just like, oh, oh, God, I didn't expect to be hit. Like, I knew this was going to be rough, but I didn't expect to get hit like that during a wrestling show. There was, um, and the most recent being the Elite, which dropped, like, either yesterday or today. 
there is the first six minutes of it are, are kind of I haven't seen all of it. I haven't seen beyond that. But the first six minutes are kind of more of a it's still more of a tribute to Brody. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like like the after the aftermath, the after action report for the tribute show from last week. And there is a like minute long speech that Eddie Kingston is giving to the people in the back. And he's basically saying, like, you know, we we did him right. Like, we put on a great tribute show, but, like, it's our duty now to basically continue on putting on the best show possible, like, for him. Like, he, we got to continue, like, to his legacy. Yeah. And I was commenting to someone about that. It's like, Eddie Kingston obviously is a great promo, but, like, Eddie Kingston misses calling. Like, that man should be... He should have gone into like the military. He should have been like a general because he could literally talk me into like marching into hell. Like that dude, <laughs> that dude when he when he like and, and this was a, he wasn't really like cutting a promo. Like he was just talking to the boys in the back. But he there was so much genuine emotion that he was conveying. Yeah, it was it was legit moving. And I have this like you, you won't thinking about um what Brad was saying about him him and, and Brody being in Chikara together, I unless he shares it, or I guess if someone else shares it, like, we'll never know. But I bet you that Brody, from hearing what we know about him now, like, is such a good person he is, I bet you that Brody was there for him through a lot of dark periods because Eddie, is, Eddie has struggled in his lifetime. Like, Eddie is kind of now getting his due at, like, 40 years of age or close to 40, but that man should have been a bigger star than he was, but he had he a lot of issues. Worse. Enemy for a he had a time. lot of demons, and I mean, he had a lot of substance abuse issues. Like he had to step away from the wrestling at, at points because of all this. I bet you Brody like was there for him. It wouldn't surprise no, because because like I I've loved Eddie <laughs> Kingston for a long time, but I remember in a conversation about him years ago, someone asked why he isn't bigger, and I said because he's a drunken fuck up. Mm-hmm. And um, I meant it at the time, but he seems to have really cleaned himself up since then. Yeah, I think Eddie can very seriously lay claim to the realest guy in the business. Um, that That's just as a quick aside. There's there one good thing that came out of 2020 was Eddie Kingston on a national stage proving he's got what it takes. Yeah. Because uh, there's no question about it. He and Moxley invented a feud that was filler to stand in for somebody else out of nowhere, and it was some of the most compelling tv and promos i've ever seen i we talked about it on the show like there are people who legit wanted eddie to win that just and purely based upon just how strong of like a promo and a character he is yeah and he was the heel (laughs) yeah he was but it was so god it was so good yeah so so that was um was your first so i had to go through his match history just because (laughs) I'm getting old now and like timelines get jumbled and stuff. So I had to make sure that Chikara was where I first saw him because in my, in my remembrance and I was right is he did Chikara for a couple years and then he started popping into ring of honor and I was right in my timeline there. But Chikara is the first place that I saw him. Uh, that was the first place that I saw him too. Uh, when he was by that point, I think he was doing like the big rig yeah, kind of trucker gimmick. Yeah. yeah, that was the first so I place the, I saw him. Yeah, I think the first time I saw him was—I don't know if this is the later match, but I think it's the one where Hydra came out dressed as him. I don't—I don't know if I saw that one. 
he he was fun to watch in in Chikara because I mean obviously he was a big dude. I mean, I don't know if he was really that. How big was he? He's I think they build him almost as like seven feet, but I don't think it was quite they, that they tall. They build him as like six, seven, six, eight. I don't think he was so, quite that tall in real life. No, it, no, but, but Jakar dudes are smaller though, so he yes, so know. he looked like an absolute giant. He looked like a monster. Uh, they probably put him about six five, six six, but if the yeah. old rule holds true. But yeah, I saw it was fun because he was big. He wasn't even as like bulky as he was back then. He was a little more lanky, although he was still a big dude. He didn't but even have facial hair, I don't think, when I first started seeing I him. felt I he had like the kind of like the lemmy like mustache and the mutton chops. Yeah, that's what I was and, thinking. Yeah, he and he and, would just be tossing dudes left and right. And then was now I'm trying to remember what he was in in RH. Was he like an embassy or was he like a? Was he like um, an Age of the Fall guy? He was an Age of the Fall guy. Um, that stable sucked, by the way. But you know. <laughs> they tried. They tried with that stable. But they uh, job them at bad points. Like I think they'd they always finally like get somewhere, and then they job like the tag titles or something. If you, if you're listening to this, I believe Age of the Fall was Jimmy Jacobs, um, Tyler Black, Brody Lee, and then I think Delirious ended up in it eventually. Delirious did wind up in it. Um, Lacey was in it. Um, who else? Necro Butcher was like. He, ne- Necro Butcher kind of to me was more of like the main stooge uh, versus like uh, Brody. But uh, they did kind of job him out. For those who aren't aware, like Tyler Black uh, became known as Seth Rollins. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are like the main ones. And I felt like at points they. they they, I mean, they tried to get him over. They even had him. They even had them win like the tag team championship against the Briscoes. But then I think they immediately lost them to like, um, like the American Wolves or something like that. Maybe I forget exactly. That's about when Gabe was really losing it, though, as a Booker. Yeah, that was kind of when I started to lose some interest in Ring of Honor. Because that was the era where, like, because RH is really bad about this. This is the era where they started doing those, like, um, real pay-per-views, but those, like, followed their own storylines, and and Ring of Honor started having those issues of, like, running, like, concurrent universes at the same time, which they all, which they got into really bad with, like, when they got the HD net show. Mm-hmm. And then you'd watch like the TV and like the TV and the and like the the live shows weren't related and they've all I think they they even had that problem with Sinclair for a while like well because yeah and because largely like the, the TV they would do like they would take like four or five episodes of the TV so it, essentially it'd be like a month or more before like the live shows would actually like, catch up. Or vice versa, like the TV would catch up to like what's going on live. It, it it just became kind of like a mess. Yeah. Now he never he he never. I thought he I thought ROH did a pretty bad job with Brody. I always thought he had a certain mystique in um in Chikara, and I felt like that mystique carried over into the the NXT run. Mm-hmm. And then like I felt like despite their I felt like he kept a certain level of mystique even on the main roster, even though their booking of him at times was not great. That was the biggest frustrating thing to me in 
um, in in Brody's uh, main roster WWE stuff was <clears throat> you had this guy who had shown over and over again that you know he he really had it. He could go. He could uh, dude could go and put on compelling stuff and draw you in. And, you know, had these little mannerisms that people just ate up. Like, you know, whenever the Wyatts first came up, he'd be in the... It, it was just... It was ring banter for him, but the yeah, yeah, yeah thing he would do was just something to kind of reinforce, you know, the the fact that, you know, we're all... Every, the whole Wyatt family was, was, you know, out there. And that's where... And they told him not to do it because it was getting over. What the hell? You don't want people doing something that gets over? And then... But, you know, he kept having such good matches. And then they broke up the family, and he had that program with Ziggler with that ladder match that was just staggering. I mean... Sure that he broke his arm in one spot, but he didn't. They, um... I would say I would say it'd be in contention. It might not win. My, it wouldn't necessarily be my match of the decade for WWE, but the Elimination Chamber Wyatt Family versus Shield match might be my WWE match of the decade. Like that was so good, they actually got Jerry Lawler to break character at the end. I loved that match. Like, cause I've never heard Lawler ever do that, but he was like, he like turned to like JBL. He's like, man, he's like that. He's like, like. I'll just say it for you like that was awesome. Yeah, that that match was just oh my god, it was so good. I I every now and then I I've, I've still gone back to to watch that because you've got these these six guys in these two hugely overstables that <clears throat> it looks like they were just told okay, go out there, cut loose, go nuts and have the the wildest match you can you can figure how to have and and they were they were both both teams were actually like and this is a wild concept both teams had actually been fairly protected up until that point mm-hmm. so anybody could win like there was there was honest to god like tension about who the winner would be <laughs> and they had even done all of this build on their own through social media and stuff there was because um, there were Shield tweets and the, there were Wyatt tweets and Bray... No, uh, Brody had two. He had um, Don't Bring Your Guns to Town, boy, Boys, the Johnny Cash reference, and then he also had uh, You Boys Picked a Mighty Fine Hill to Die On. Just, you know, he's, they're just doing banter, but it all just, you know... <laughs> it came together like synchronized swimming and it was so good and the match was so good like it didn't disappoint for nothing he he just in general obviously because of his size but his look everything he looked like incredibly intimidating mm-hmm. i i still occasionally like were well i wasn't even as as huge of a fan of the wyatt family as you were chad but i will mm-hmm. still occasionally go back and listen to like that that first like teaser promo that they had done like that video package that they did for the Wyatt family before they were going to debut in the main roster yeah and Brody had like one line he had like like I guess two sentences but he had like one line in 
in that promo, which is still like so dark and and spooky, he was like, <laughs> like you send someone, but don't send anyone you want back. Yeah, and he said it in his. There's like such menace, even though he's he doesn't raise his voice, he's just speaking it like plainly, and it's just <laughs> so intense. Oh yeah, he could really he really understood like how to convey like that intensity. Did you um? Did you read the the story of that WWE producer based around like the Wyatt's debuting on the main roster? No. So I guess like when they started doing it, this might have gone all the way back to NXT. Like Brody was like, "I want to do a, I want to do like a promo with dogs." Oh, and, like, I, I did read that. Head. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, he just had it in his head. He wanted this promo with dogs, so he'd ask this guy every time he saw him if, if the dogs were there today. And I guess this went on for a long time, and finally they did it. And he's like, he's like, yes, the dogs are here today. And Brody's like, I can't do it today. It just like walked away. <laughs> yeah. But he was ribbing the dude because he's like, he like basically walked away, and then he came right back and he's like, let's go, let's go see, it. let's go play with those dogs. And it's out there, like there's a video of him. There's at least a picture of him like playing with the dogs. Yeah, that's another thing that we learned uh, is that um, he apparently like loved to rip people, and uh, he was more of the uh, the good natured, like funny rib, not the mean spirited, sociopathic. I fed you your dog, Mr. Fuji type of. Yeah, I shot your grandmother. (laughs) Nothing like really like intense like that. Yeah, and by the way, no one can (laughs) doing like a. A, a mis- and like an Asian, a, a stereotypical Asian act. That's actually how Mr. Fuji talked on yeah. WWE programming. Yeah. Um, the yeah Brody was also remarked on having this this great sarcastic sense of humor, and he could be, be super dry, so you mm-hmm. wouldn't know he was messing with you until he finally clued you in. Which is that's so much fun. I love being like I. <laughs> I used to try and do that a lot, and it started irritating people because I either I did it too much or I got just a little too good at it. And they were just, God, you've got to quit doing that. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. But, um, one of, one of the, um, the many comments and eulogies that wrestlers gave that I, that really struck me. I I don't know if she spoke more about it. It was just the one tweet, but I know Charlotte flair did a tweet and she basically said like, like it'd be difficult to to explain to people that the scariest person you can see on television meeting Brody is yeah. actually the nicest, sweetest human being you could possibly like meet or imagine. And that wasn't an uncommon sentiment that seemed to be shared by a lot of his contemporaries in the business. Like they, we talked about it a few minutes ago, but. Yeah, it's obviously like when someone dies, like there are a lot of people who can kind of glad hand and be like, oh, yeah, I heard he was a good guy or my like, yeah, he was fine. Like, but it's not just that it's not it. There are people speak with like effusive praise for him and it's across the board and it's people like at every walk of life. It's not just like WWE people or even AEW people. It's guys he, he came up with. It was dudes on the indie scene. There was some. I wish I can remember who posted it, but it was just uh, it was like an indie guy, and it was in like a trainer, 
And his tweet about it was like, I run a wrestling school. Um, Brody was in town. He asked me, I guess he knew Brody, like at least, at least casually enough that they could converse. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he asked me, you know, he wanted, he was going to be in the area. He wanted to, to work out. And he asked me if I could come by. And Brody like came by the, the school that day and like worked out some ring rust, but also took some time out of his schedule to talk to the, like the guys there, just give like almost like a little, little seminar. Yeah, basically free seminar. He was just like, "Hey, I'm I'm using your your mat your your ring. Let me uh, let me just talk to guys." And that seems to be pretty common. Like he was free about talking about the business, giving his advice. He seemed so big on building people up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it bothers me that that is. <clears throat> sorry. Um, Something notable so that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, the fact yeah. that it's so rare um, bothers me, and it—it's not. It doesn't bother you know Brody doing it speaks to his character, but the fact that it happens so infrequently that it, it's like because look, I still got friends who are you know on the indie scene, and I'm still in some of the the, the groups and stuff like that, so I see. Every time someone who's been on TV is coming through doing a seminar, and I see the pricing on it, and the fact that he was just like, "No, I, I just sit and talk with you guys for a while. It's no big deal." Like that's so far out of the ordinary; it's it's almost alien. Um, you know, it, that's it. It pains me to. I've always, I know I've said it multiple times on here, but <clears throat> it it's nice to know that in a, a business like wrestling that, you know, the, the good guy can be successful. You know, part of what made, you know, part of like what made Foley popular and stuff like that. And, it, it, you know, to see Brody have that, but just that it's, it ends up being so rare with and I shouldn't I, I shouldn't speak this way but to be honest with so many selfish shitbags that are in the in the business sometimes it it you can look around and be like ah why am I doing this again like the, the when I was in college I had an opportunity to do like like an offer to, to go do some amateur MMA stuff. And I took a look around at the people I'd be training with, and I was just like, wow, I can't stand you people. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't do it because just like I, I would, I couldn't stand the people I was going to be around. <clears throat> and sometimes in wrestling, it kind of seems that way. But then you hear someone like Brody who built just such a network of friends and stuff like that, that it's just, you know, it, it, it makes me especially sad to know that a business that needed someone like that so badly lost them when they did. Like that—that's part of I think what makes it hurt so much. Yeah. So do we want to um, do we want to talk about the person that decided <clears throat> to torch their thirty-plus year career over this? 
I do. Just flush it straight down the toilet. Yeah, I think we ought to. <laughs> we'll do that, and then what we'll do is we'll come back and, and talk about what we hope uh, Brody's legacy is to, to leave on a high note. So, I don't even think I don't even think the news was a day old. And um, Bruce Mitchell, formerly of The Torch, wrote this article claiming that he died of COVID complications and um, that all this stuff, like he essentially called his widow, uh, you know, his widowed wife a liar and said like AEW and her were not being transparent. And, it's a conspiracy. Um, Yes, conspiracy. Mind control. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't he didn't flat out say it was COVID, but no. he he did ins- he didn't even like what he basically did was he insinuated that he tried to draw a connection basically saying because they the wife his, his wife Brody's widow had said literally it was 24 hours like after he after she posted the news that he passed away. And and they specify she specified a non-COVID related illness because that unfortunately lung is like, condition I think is what she said yes because that's unfortunately like the time we live in and for the moment at least that if someone if a young person <laughs> dies unexpectedly like this you almost have to clarify like it was non-COVID related but he insinuated that if it even if it wasn't COVID related in the sense that he died of an acute COVID infection. That you know, many people around the, the the country who got COVID later had cardiopulmonary disorders or diseases. So it's quite possible that that's actually what caused it. There was an athlete I can't remember what sport it was. It was a soccer player, or a hockey player, I think, mm-hmm. that actually died this year of a pulmonary embolism. So a pulmonary embolism, because again, I'm not I'm not in the medical field, but I I deal a lot with medical records. So I, I know slightly more than I guess like a lay person, but I'm, I'm far from an actual physician. Uh, a pulmonary embolism is, is more of an, it's an acute, as they say, like acute versus chronic acute being something that's happened with sort of like a, like an immediacy. It's like, if you, if you were to, to, to trip and like break your leg, that's, you know, that's an acute injury versus you just got really bad arthritis in your knee, which is be more of like a chronic condition. There are, um, that's an acute condition, the pulmonary embolism. So if you don't get treatment for that, like right away, you, it can be lethal. It depends upon the severity of it. Um, and there, there's a relatively high like mortality rate if you don't get quick treatment. Yeah. I think it's even something yeah. like a fourth of people who, who get that, they can die. Yeah, and if you don't, if you're if you're wondering what that is, it's a fancy term for getting blood clots in your lungs. Yeah, and we don't we don't look we don't really know what happened. I don't think what we ever will. But but my problem with it was well, one, the evidence has come out since like even if it was COVID, like I don't think it ma- like let's let's pretend for a moment, and I'm not saying he did. I'm saying let's pretend for a moment that he did. Um, there's no proof he got it at an AEW show. They did not have an outbreak. Um, for all that you can say about WWE or AEW's handling of COVID, both companies have been fairly transparent about outbreaks. There have been uh, several people. There, well, several. There's been at least a couple. There's been 
okay, there's been three instances that I can off the top of my head think of where either people were tested with COVID or came in contact with COVID and they were not on AEW television as a result. Like uh, Renee Paquette. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right, the former, like, Renee Young, um, who is married to John Moxley. Like, she had COVID, and he apparently, like, never tested positive for COVID. No. But they he basically quarantined for two weeks. And that's that's even why, like, the, remember the, the match he was supposed to have, I think, with Brian Cage? Yeah. Got pushed mm-hmm. back, like, oh, a couple weeks because he was quarantining. So that's one. Lance Archer did test positive for COVID, and he was – Basically, he didn't come back until you know he was over it and it was negative. And the third person I know I can think of is like Joey Janela. I don't think he ever tested positive for COVID, but he was at a he was at a game changer wrestling show, and some people who were at that show or worked that show did test positive after the fact, so they had him quarantined. Yeah, and and the thing is, and the thing is with that too, though. Um... And we'll get into that with Bruce and I think a certain mentality that's developed. Yeah. But like getting exposed to COVID really isn't that rare. Like I freaking just going into the office one day, like I got exposed to it. I didn't get it, but um, I pretty much had to quarantine for two weeks because I got exposed at work. It happens. If you're trying to exist, you're going to like, I mean, it happens like I, you know, you get sick, you get the sniffles or something. And you're like, oh, my gosh, do I have COVID? That's just life right now. That's that's like the game you play. Like my wife has yeah. uh, has not felt well the last few weeks. It's like, oh, my God, it's COVID. And it's like, I don't think it is. I think it's just a cold because we have an infant. And if you have like a kid, like as the old joke goes, like kids are Petri dishes, like you're probably going to get something yeah like in the last year i have gotten sick probably like three times because of my kid and in outside of like one which i after the fact i don't even it could have been covid because this was happening like back in march when like she got sick and then i got sick and i didn't think it was covid at the time because at that time in march of 2020 they were just saying like oh it's only like if you have difficulty breathing and a cough which I didn't, yeah. I didn't really have those symptoms, but since then, like a lot of the symptoms I have, like fatigue and like sinus issues, stuff like that, they're now saying like, well, that could be COVID too. So I don't know. I never got tested. I never. And you were down like a long time with that one. I had, I felt bad for like a week, and then it was like a week after that that I was still recovering, but I was still like functioning, and I never like, I, by then I was like teleworking full time, effectively. So I didn't actually have to go anywhere. I was able, I was effectively, I was able to self quarantine. And again, I don't never, I never got tested, so I don't know. And I've never gotten yeah. the antibody testing, so I don't know. I don't know if I actually had. I and then if I did today, like who knows? Like I, I don't know that it would still. I would still have antibodies like months later. Yeah, well, they ran into that the Ring of Honor show. That was really dumb because Maryland's a stupid state. So did you did you hear about the whole Dragon Lee like no was it Dragon Lee or was it Ray Phoenix no who was it it was Dragon Lee I think no it was Bandito it was Bandito um, with Maryland and the the stupidity that went on with that Mm-mm. no but I know like so, a, a few guys got a few guys tested positive or had been exposed because I know uh, like EC3 was supposed to have like a, a 
a match on the show, and that basically got canceled. And that was supposed to be so, like his big ROH match. So Bandito got both tests. So he had the antibodies for COVID. But he tested negative repeatedly, but he wasn't allowed to compete because he had the antibodies for it. And it was like the dumbest thing. Like, if he's testing negative, he doesn't have COVID. It means he had it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't hear about that. That's that is no. That's so counterintuitive. It's like, come on. Yeah, it's just stupid. But the circle probably back. Didn't... I'm sorry, Brad. Finish your thought. I was going to say, they <laughs> probably just didn't bribe the state <laughs> athletic commission enough. <laughs> well, to circle it back, so Pritchard decides to put this out there. And Mitchell, not Pritchard. Mitchell. I know you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm there. sorry. Uh, different I, I'm asshole. so used to... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so used to, in wrestling, the name Bruce is attached to Pritchard that I have a hard time. Well, and you're used to you're used to the name Bruce and Pritchard being attached to something stupid being said, so you just well, kind of go there. You know, I I don't I don't have the same vitriol that for Bruce Pritchard some people do, but it's it, Mitchell, it's a different story. But he puts that out there, and he he puts it out there under the guise of this kind of like, well, I'm just asking questions. It's like, didn't that seem suspicious? And it's like, dude. You are blatantly like the last paragraph starts with the phrase, I'm not a doctor, but that's in there somewhere. It's like that's really blessed apparent in this conspiracy theory. Like, oh, just asking questions like you're not just asking questions. You're insinuating something to send the message you want to send in order to try. And because you think that jumping on the bandwagon and piggybacking off of apparently one of the most beloved guys in the industry passing to catch your notoriety is going to work out well for you. Now, well, uh, what happened there is um, he he um, he thinks wrestling shouldn't have been reopened because of COVID. So I think a lot of this was just, hey, never let a good tragedy go to waste. You know, got to push that old agenda there. Okay, let's let's be honest for a second. Read the flipping room. Because this is, this is absolutely not the guy you should be. Di- okay, uh, I'm gonna be mean for a second. If this had happened to Buff Bagwell, people would not be having the reaction that they were having because it was Brody, and Mitchell probably wouldn't have blown his whole foot off over it. If he if he acted the same way with about anyone that had who's who probably like who wasn't he wasn't even buried yet like i think he would have met with um <coughs> especially like especially timing wise like i think he picked like the day after christmas is like the worst time to go off half cocked on yeah, some like that's, that's fair um half-assed crusade but i also think like i, I think um and I, i've seen a couple people mention this and i kind of agree with it is like there's this weird thing that's gone on since this whole pandemic started that's like broken people's brains or it's like other diseases like stopped existing mm-hmm. yeah um and it's like it's almost like he can't fathom the fact that like he didn't get covid and it's like it's like uh well like like honestly like athletes like I don't know how many people listening to this, and I know Shad's not a huge like sport watcher, but like um, athletes drop dead fairly like not frequently, but it does happen. Like 
the mm. chances that he died from COVID complications are probably the same as him running into like a rare disease. <clears throat> like, and I'm talking like in the athlete, like class, like, you know, they, you I, know, just it, it, complications from COVID are not the only thing. Like he, he, he could have run into any other numerous issues to, to go back to like the pulmonary embolism uh, talk. Like he, we don't know anything like we, we we haven't even i even i haven't even really heard like rumors and i'm not trying to rumor monger but i'm just trying to say yeah. like you can you can have someone like a healthy person you can have them have like a pulmonary embolism and maybe like they don't even know they're having it uh it, it could have been something like if he was doing a workout maybe it happened during the workout and he's just very winded and tired after the workout and he doesn't realize oh my god like i'm having like this medical crisis and if it's not really caught in time, like it could cause like grave damage to his lungs, then all of a sudden his lungs effectively don't work anymore. Or, or because even it has, like it's, it's a severe injury and it hasn't been caught in time, so now there's like permanent damage to the lungs. Like, but maybe I mean now you're really getting to like the the like the cardiopulmonary like slash circulatory system. What if you had a? Then I'm only gaming things out. What if you had a, a pulmonary embolism? It damages some of the arteries in the lungs. Now all of a sudden there's like necrosis. There's like tissue death. Now your lungs don't work. Now you basically you're only able to to survive on a machine. Like I don't. I'm not saying that's happened. I'm not trying to rumor monger. I'm just trying to say like. I'm trying to game out. I, with my like rudimentary knowledge of medical, like diseases and conditions that can happen to people, I've already explained how so, like, an, an otherwise normally healthy person could suffer something that could effectively kill them. Or is it just like, like the, just let me just spout off my ass? Oh, it must have been COVID. Yeah. But how many? Um. But like, but like, let's 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 not even do something long related. Like, how many stories have you read, or like someone you might know that was like, "Oh well, you know, I peed a little blood, so I called the doctor. I have stage four like kidney cancer or something, you know?" Yeah, yeah. Or like, or like something like that. Or hey, like I was feeling a little weird. I went in and I've got pancreatic can't you know what i mean like yeah. it's not unheard of for like someone to have something minor that's like the symptom of something bigger yeah it, it's yeah. the the biggest thing that comes out of this and this is this yeah i'm going to reference it again because i listened to him earlier today it was another uh cornet thing someone asked him about bruce mitchell and the biggest thing he had to say is it's none of anybody's business except for the people that his family chooses to share it with. Who cares? That's not the point. But here's Mitchell trying to grandstand for some attention. Um, I mean, it, it, it strikes me as one of the most tone-deaf, grandstanding... It's cynical, too. And, cynical, horribly calloused. Yeah, um... I, it would be hard to say how realistically, because, I mean, we could come up with all kinds of stuff, but realistically, what would make it, like, much worse than it ended up being? Because, <laughs> you know, we could oh we could say stuff that makes it worse, like, oh, you know, such and such a whore and stuff like that. But, like, 
I, let's let's be realistic for a second. He he's trying to present himself a certain way, so that's not going to happen. But well, it seems it seems like though, based on what I've read about Mitchell, as it seems like he's been kind of going off the deep end the last couple years. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say read it. He's uh, not. He's not someone I've. He's not someone. I don't think I've ever read anything Bruce Mitchell's ever done. <clears throat> There was and also, if I have, I don't remember. There's also the fun Twitter exchange that uh, he put his thing up there. Oh, and by the way, he puts this up there, and most of the free world is yelling at him for being an idiot. But he's doubling down and retweeting the people that are calling him brave. So um, Sean Ross Scott, who's one of the more recent but credible um, wrestling journal- journalists who are out there, does this I mean, just brutal takedown on him. And and Mitchell's response is, well, go, just go ahead and DM me. And Scott's response is just no. Like, uh, he, he busted him publicly. And then Mitchell's like, hey, we could just, you know, we could talk privately. And Mitch, Scott's like, no, I ain't talking to you privately. That ain't going to happen. Oh, I do want to. I do want to mention one other sack of shit because I want people <laughs> to know his name so they don't buy his books oh. and financially support him. But Jonathan Snowden, like, you uh, are a fucking idiot. He's a well-known asshole. He is, but I, I'm, I'm having a hard time putting a finger on it. So could you clarify if for no one's else's sake but mine? He was very pro what bruce mitchell is saying and he was also doubling down on this stupidity and okay. um I, he just strikes I me gotta... as an arrogant sack of shit that doesn't deserve like his arrogance about life yeah i kind of got into like a argument with um with garrett from who was on wrestling observer because garrett's take was oh it was it was fair for mitchell to be asking those questions as a journalist and it's like, no, actually, I don't think it's fair. Like, he, because he, he wasn't, he had no evidence basing it on. He, doesn't, he didn't know anything. He was just purely conjecture where it's like, I think that they're lying about the true cause of this man's death and that they need to be, you know, AEW and the family both need to be more transparent. And it's like, look, I, I, from my own, me, like, all, I'm just my own personal opinion on this. Like, he, he's owed dick. Everyone is owed fucking nothing it's yeah. whatever the family wants to share for you yeah. like i speak from personal experience like 2016 was probably the worst year of my life like both my parents passed away there are people that i knew that if they weren't like in my close social circle or i didn't see them regularly like they didn't know so when i finally like they found out like months later they're like oh my god i didn't know and it's like yeah because i didn't want people to know like it's not something i wanted to talk about with people so this man's like Brody's like struggle, like whatever he went through, his ultimate death, like whatever the cause is behind that. He didn't want to share it. The family didn't want to share it. It's no one's fucking business. Mm-hmm. The only way, if 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 it was like COVID related, where it's like people might have been exposed, like maybe maybe the company would have owed uh, their employees uh, a duty of care to be like you should get tested. But that's not the case here, and we would have heard about it if it was. Yeah. yeah. But beyond that, it's like you're not owed the details of this man's death. None of us are. No. And I mean, and I frankly, I frankly do not care. 
I do not need to know. Like, I don't think we'll ever know for sure, but I don't care. That's not because it's not my business. Part. Yeah, that's not the important part. The how in the case. It's the fact that we we lost someone who was such a positive force and so talented in this business. <clears throat> um, I think we can use this as kind of our segue back to the the positive note to end off on. But to look at you know, what do we hope? What do we hope his legacy is? Because, yeah, you know, we we talk, you know, salvaging the Dark Order angle and the feud with Moxley and the TNT feud and the Kingston, you know, all this stuff. That's great. But what do we hope comes down the line? And while I give you guys, because I, I just kind of dropped that on you, and just to give you a second to chew on it, I'm going to do a quick aside. One thing that has come out of this is the fact that I am AEW diehard now. I don't I don't care. The fact that in all of this happening, we had <clears throat> you know, we had a, a company that when this happens, <coughs> you know Tony Khan's immediate reaction was we've got to handle this right. And Brandy and Cody's immediately immediate reaction was, you know, we love you. We're going to miss you. Your family is our family now. We're going to take care of you. And they, they worked so hard to put on, like, this amazing tribute show. The fact that at the end of this show, they not only did they retire his boots, which was, oh, my God. Like, that was... I know people talk about doing ten ball salute is is the big thing, but this was oh my god! But they gave <coughs> the TNT title that Brody had held to his son, and that's that's his now. They're commissioning a new belt to be made because Brody Junior is going to keep his dad's title permanently. Like this company. I am like I'm full stand for I guess is the term now. It's I'm I've never seen a tribute like the one that they did. Like I no. I I don't think I don't think I've ever seen a tribute like that. I don't think I I mean I hope I never <laughs> I never have to because I don't want to yeah. I just don't want to be seeing tri- a lot of tribute shows for me. <laughs> I don't want I don't want I I want I would hope in the future that anyone who passes away it's it's you know it's it's the people who are they're dying of old age like essentially but it just, they it was it, it to the extent that you could have like a perfect tribute show it was like a perfect tribute show yeah and i don't know a lot of details really about the type of person that tony khan is but just what i i feel i kind of get what you're saying chad like the amount of goodwill that he has engendered at least to me like it's it's off the charts because i i don't know him but if i had to guess and i was kind of sharing my thoughts on on this with you guys it's that <coughs> it seems to me whether he actually like knew brody that well it it, it it's kind of Im- immaterial it's like he just he was put in a situation where an employee of his passed away unexpectedly and he it's almost like he took it personally. Maybe mm-hmm. he maybe he was very close to the family, so there was a little more to it. But 
he seems like he really did everything that he could to make this as special as possible and to take care of the family as much as possible to the point where he even i presume this is legit he's signed brody's son his oldest son to a contract and it's basically like look in like 10 years or whenever you want to you can (laughs) you can come work for us Mm -hmm. and did all this did all of this like he's creating a new design for the title and effectively retiring the title mm-hmm. making the kid tnt champion for life because there are stories out there the reason he did that is because there are stories out there that for the time brody had it like his son would basically sleep with the title every night like he just yeah. he loved it he loved that dad was champion yeah. he even he bought the rights to the fucking tom Waits song that he used and the tribute video at the end of the tribute he in bought perpetuity. the rights to it in perpetuity, meaning like no one's going to use that song again. That song is for, it's the Brody Lee tribute, and that's it. I think like, it that was is... even more that it it's it can't be taken off of that video. Like, I don't uh, know if, if it excludes anyone else, but it, it ain't being taken off of that video. That's that in a way like that's insane. Not, yeah, I mean not really, but you know what I'm saying. It's like that the level that he went through for this person. Again, he could have been like best friends with Brody for all I know. I don't know if that's the case. To me, it just seems like he Tony Khan is just a good dude. Yeah. And he he was presented with a tragedy and he took it almost like a personal a personal. Now, I don't want to say challenge. It's not there. It just he <coughs> it meant everything in the world to him to make it right. Like to make. Yeah. It, I don't know. Maybe it's like a stage of grief. Maybe people go through stages of grief. Maybe that's the stage of grief where it's like you. You that bargaining but you know you're trying to to make good you're trying to make make the pain as minimal as possible and he i think he did everything he possibly could yeah it's amazing like it's maybe he's just a maybe he's just a good dude because the 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 funny this is more like i guess heartwarming and funny in a way story today (laughs) is that uh he bought the rights to the song tarzan boy (laughs) <laughs> if you remember that song he hey. bought the rights to tarzan boy at for uh for jungle boys music okay to be used as his like theme music going out that's hilarious yeah it, he may he might just be a good dude who actually it, cares about his employees at the most cynical i would say he's a dude who understands that the people at work for him have needs that he tries to meet but it's it, like that's the most cynical that I can get on it, you know. If 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 he's just if he is literally nothing other than cold hard math, he understands that. Mm. But I'm far more inclined to agree with you, Matt. That I he's think a good it's, dude, it's, and he's one. I think he. I think he's just. I think he's able to better communicate his that he cares better than Vince can. Like, Revenge has this really screwed up way of showing it, but, like, when you see his actions, like, you know, the Harley Race thing. Yeah. And I think I think he's just a little more public about it. Like, I've always said, like I've said, I think once Vince dies, we're going to hear a lot of stories about him slipping people money and taking care of people that we never knew about. I just think Tony Khan, like, operates a little differently, and he's just, he just, he knows how to, do it in a non like screwed up way. He's trying to do it in a way that's best for the person 
regardless of what the public perception on it is. You know, it, yeah. He he thought it was important that the boss says to Brody Jr., this is your belt now. Because he could have just had Cody do it, but that's not what not what he wanted to do. He wanted to he wanted to tell him, you know, no, this is this is from the boss, this is the thing. It, it, and there are some people who might say he's pandering it for goodwill. I, I say they're full of it and they're looking for something. He doesn't have to don't. do it. He's not an on air yeah. character. No, he's not. He's well, he has an impact now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen um just as a random aside, have you seen the have you seen the like the the paid for time he and Tony Schiavone do on the impact show that's hilarious? I've seen one of them. It's pretty funny. And they do like previews for the show. No, it's I It's pretty have. funny. They like just rip on impact like in like <laughs> or like like rip on access for being like a shitty channel and then they 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 literally previewed dynamite for that week and what the matches are going to be um the thing i was the, the legacy that i do hope comes out of of brody is cuz you just hear about the relationships he built and how he treated people i hope that we have more people acting that way because of how they saw how important it was to them, and they want to turn around and do that for other people. That's that's what I, I desperately hope comes out of this, because it's a business that could sure use a lot more of that. Um, the, I know there are good folks in the business, right? But at the very least, there's been the image for so long that there's so many scumbags and self-interested and that good god hogan even hogan was on the the night of legends raw and he's like well people are cold to me there because they're afraid i'm gonna take their spot and it's like no hulk that ain't it oh yeah i think it's something else that happened it might be a little bit of something else um but you know there's so many instead of it just being like hey you know (coughs) i want to you know I want us both to succeed. I want, you know, if you and I are working together, I want us to come both come out of this looking good. Or, you know, it's my job here to build you up, so I want to I want to build you up really. You know, could we just? Uh, that's my hope is that we see more of that and we see more people. It just, you know, they they value they value uh, Brody valued his family so much. And that's something that you hear so rarely. Like that's that's not stories people tell. Um, that God, I just want to see more people acting the way Brody acted. You know, it, it it's like the the um, it'd be like the wrestling equivalent of the Mister Rogers thing. It's like I want you to act the way Mister Rogers would want you to act. And like I want you wrestlers to behave the way Brody Lee would behave, right? That that's that's what I hope comes out of it. Um, I don't know what I would say as far as what I think his, what I would hope his legacy would be. I think I think what the reality of his legacy is going to be is I think he's going to become like he's going to become like the pro sports equivalent of like the what if scenario. Mm. Like I think there I think I think that's what he's going to end up like being. What about you, Matt? 
I think I'm kind of in line with um with you, Shad. I think the beautiful thing about Brody that we've seen is just unfortunately it took his death, but just the the sense of community that was developed. Mm-hmm. And I would love for that to kind of get uh fostered more. Mm-hmm. And maybe it will is in AEW because again, I haven't seen the entire episode of of being the elite this week, but just those first few minutes and you see how united everyone is and, and Eddie Kingston's speech about how, you know, this is where he's not really saying like we're family, but it's like, this is like a community. And to me, like that would be a wonderful thing. Cause I mean, there's, you know, historically in, in wrestling, it's always, you always have the people, and this is certainly true mostly in like the nineties where it's like, oh, I got to protect my spot. I'm not going to put someone over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which that's something that Brody, like Brody, from all the stories we've been hearing in this last few days, it's like, that's not, that's not, he was not interested at all. And, well, I got to maintain my spot. I got to get myself over. Like he knew, he understood that if you build everyone up, then that's going to help you in the long run. Mm -hmm. And if, if what he can kind of imprint upon people is like, you know, just try and build everyone up around you because you never know what that's going to, how that's going to benefit things, but it's almost certainly going to benefit in a very positive way. Cause again, he, he was, they put him with dark order and he immediately started making like all those guys like relevant and important. But I mean, you can just do that. That, that kind of attitude can go with anyone. Like you could, if you work to, to build up your opponents, like they're going to become a bigger thing. You know, they're going to, they're going to build you up in return. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice just to see that, and and at least with AEW, hopefully that's the case. Yeah, that's. Oh God, I would love to see that. Well, guys, was there anything else you wanted to say in this? Um, any any other things we wanted to hit on, or stories, or anything like that? No, I think I'm good. There's nothing been. There's been some like WWE stuff, but like I've been fairly disinterested in like anything that's going on over there, so I don't feel like talking about it. Mm. That's fair. They, to be fair, some of the there there was a <coughs> the SmackDown before the Dynamite tribute show. There were a number of people on it that made made it a point. You know, Xavier. Xavier's another one who's who's really been hit hard. I think you mentioned him, but he made it a point to do a super spot on, um, Brody tribute during his match. He had the, 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 the kiss, the air taunt and the, the discus lariat and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it, it's, there were, there were some people doing that, but the problem is that they were on a wrestling show where it's like, Hey, you know, someone who used to work here passed away versus the tribute show. Like I'm not sure if it'd be this or raw as Owen is the best one. I don't particularly want to sit through them again to tell you the difference, but like, I think the surrealist part about the AEW tribute show is you had WWE talent. And I think even Stephanie McMahon telling people to watch it. Yeah. And I I don't know why they even bothered to run NXT that night. That should have been like, hey, um, we're running a clip show. There's something else that you I may want to watch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, since um, 
since about the fall other than one week i when you look at the ratings i wonder why they even bother most weeks because uh i'd say like every four out of five weeks like nxt just gets butchered yeah like horribly butchered because they've not like they they occasionally will dip up to seven hundred thousand, but most weeks they're like in the six hundred thousands, and like AEW doesn't hasn't really dipped into the seven hundred thousands in a long time. Like they tend to stay in the upper eights and like push on a million. So I mean, like it's not. There's been points where it's been close, but like it's just been. Yeah. It's just been a it's just been a slaughter like week after week after week. Like, it's so bad that, like, WWE fanboys had to start comparing it to Raw and SmackDown, and then they beat Raw in demos, and then, the like, the, the salt really started. <laughs> yeah, like, the fanboys will, they'll still, comp- they'll still be like, well, you know, AEW didn't hit a million. So it's like, okay, I guess they're a failure. They, they came, like, a few thousand short of, like, a million people watching. Whatever. I mean, I think it's a bigger concern with NXT that I have, because, I, I mean... I want, I want the WWE to succeed. It's like it's easy to like hate on the the product, but you know I want them to get better and, and to succeed. The, the the concern for me is like yeah, NXT isn't doing, is it doing like numbers that are really competitive with AEW most weeks? Mm-hmm. But to the extent that they are competitive, it's like they're running, they're running shows where they're like hot shotting all their big matches, yeah. which I don't. Oh, it's it's terrible. They I don't think they have any left, honestly. It, yeah, and that's concerning because it's well. I guess I mean they have like I guess Carrying Cross came back, so it's like Carrying Cross versus Finn Balor is a match you can do. Oh um, yeah, but I don't because... know if that's gonna be like a a TV match or they're gonna save it for like a takeover or a pay per view. I don't know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I get real excited for those Carrying Cross matches. Woohoo! <laughs> well, I mean he's they are presenting him like a star, so I don't I don't know. It, it just concerns me because it's like if. I I don't hate NXT, but I it's tough when you're you're basically kind of ruining the long term prospects of your brand if you're just hot shutting everything. And and they they're really pushing people I don't care much for right now, like Bronson Reed. I really don't give a crap about. And I know like the second like Leon Ruff comes out, like my eyes just start glazing over a bit. <laughs> well. And they seem to just want to, I swear to God, they've run some form of like Johnny Gargano versus Leon Ruff like five times in the last two months. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because um... you know when you when you set up a guy to um, to be a joke and then you give him your secondary title, it just devalues the secondary title, especially when he does nothing with it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because because the one thing AEW like really excels at, actually Impact's gotten a lot better at it too, is like protecting their title belts. Mm Mhm. Yeah. (laughs) A loss is a big deal. A real. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, this has been um, this has been our retrospective tribute show for Brody Lee. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I'll grant it's, it's a little late, but you know, uh, <laughs> it was, I guess, Chris, it was yeah. like Christmas week and, and yeah. we just didn't have, 
yeah, it, it's it's just tough to. Uh, it, it, we're cursed. Breaking stuff always happens right after we record something. I mean, watch tomorrow, Vince will decide to sell to, I don't know, Eric Bischoff or something, and then we'll be a week waiting, sitting around going, uh, what? There's something I want to touch on briefly for five minutes, because I know that the clip is fresh in Matt's mind, but um, we don't talk about Joshi much on this. Like, I would say it's not really any of our specialties. Like, I think I'm the only one that really watches it with super or any sort of regularity or has any, like kind of current understanding but um at the end of the year stardom show they brought um yoshiko back who um and i think matt just freshly saw this because i think you were saying the observer group posted um images of it or how long ago did you see it matt um actually just like a couple weeks back because uh there was a there's like a wrestler observer group that actually mentioned her coming back, like the, the, I guess the, the show that she returned on, and I actually wasn't that aware of the story, and then they basically filled me in, and they showed me. There's like a, I think it's on YouTube. There's a clip of the the, I'll be charitable and call it a match that she had with, um, was it Act? Act you, you act um, you is Sokka. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm butchering a bit of her last name. I, I, it's, I just look. I say matches like in air quotes. It's really just Yasu Yasukawa Yasukawa. Yeah, she who's just... if you if you watch current Stardom, she's the manager of Odotai, which is like the Gaijin heel stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the the quote unquote match is really just her beating the shit out of Yoshi. What's her name? Yoshiko. Act um, Yasukawa. Oh, who's the other one? Oh, um, Yoshiko is the one Yushiko. that assaulted Act. Yeah. And it's just, it's brutal. It's like, it's one of those things that's just hard to watch. Like, a legitimately like she hard fracked, to watch. Like, um, she missed, like, seven months of ring time, came back, wrestled a couple matches, and then retired because, like, the facial damage was so... I, yeah, and... I mean, I, you can't necessarily see the extent of those injuries because they're internal, but it, it, like the the girl's nose is bleeding at one point. I think her face starts swelling. It's just it's it's like it was like watching an MMA fight, but the other per, like uh, an, an MMA fight between one person who can fight and another person who can't even really like defend themselves. It's it's, it's just worse unpleasant. Yeah, I just I just pulled up the first thirty seconds of it. It's worse than that because um, uh, Yasukawa is is trying to work, and Yoshiko like just the first just grabs her by the head and starts slamming her elbow into her face, which um, if you've ever studied any movie tie, that's better than punching him in the face because it hurts you less. And just you know, thirty two seconds into this, uh, act is all is just I mean her face is jacked up. And there's no call for that in a, and so, in a so business where you're of, trusting the other person yeah so she's kind of stayed around because her trainers have kind of like kept her on and she's like she's kind of there's like a certain level of forgiveness that's gone on over there I think it's just um, I find it to be fairly gross that um, this happened I I just I just um 
I don't know. Uh, this is something like when she was working with other companies, I kind of just avoided those companies. But like, I kind of got it. It didn't happen in their ring. Like they, her trainers are vouching for her. I'm not saying any of this is okay. I'm just talking about the mentality. And like, she seemed like she was behaving herself. But like, to me, like the fact that stardom brought her back is just gross because that happened on their watch and it really should be like that is a line you don't cross and you you still employ the person that she assaulted yeah it's just it, i just wanted to bring it up for a couple of minutes because i was really peeved about that because i actually do like stardom and that makes me a lot less likely to want to um to follow them because like i just think that that is a gross like money grab because they're only doing it because they think there's some bucks in it Oh, and it really just shows a blatant disregard for for malfeasance like because i know you're i know you're in you're in the, the you were in the business shad like how would yeah. that go over if they brought them back like you know like you know what i'm saying like if they worked other companies but like let's say some jackass like assaulted someone in a company you worked for <laughs> and then the company wanted to bring them back like three years later like i don't there think would that be... would be cool I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna think back of, I'm gonna think back to like uh, a a company I worked in. If that had happened, like let's say some dude came down from Ohio or West Virginia and took one of and just beat the living piss out of him, the first thing that would have happened is that the match wouldn't have continued. There would have been a bunch of people in the ring pulling it apart. The second thing is, hey, we were thinking about bringing him back. There wouldn't have been would have been a bunch of guys. It's like, yeah, you don't want to do that. Because this is, like, <clears throat> this is, this is like, you book New Jack, New Jack comes in, stabs the guy a few times, and then, I don't know, hits him with a brick. I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit for effect. And then they're like, well, you know, that was a few years ago, and we were going to bring New Jack. Well, what the, why? Why would you do this? That's like, but see, now, now, we, we had this conversation before the show, and I'm going to reiterate it. Being upset that New Jack stabbed you is kind of like being upset that a tiger mauled you. Like, it's just a tiger being a tiger, and, like, if New Jack's had a couple of um, adult beverages before he comes out, like, he's probably going to stab you. Like, just, just, that's you have to deal with it. That's, I'm not working that show. Uh, I mean, you'd be yeah. smart enough not to get in a ring with New Jack, or at least like make him pinky swear that he's going to. <clears throat> yeah, this look. I mean, let's be honest though. I mean, I uh, think there's a solid chance that New Jack's never worked sober a moment in his career. Well, I'm just I'm using that as an example as a point of reference for the kind of just craziness that I saw in just two minutes of clips. This is, I mean, this is abhorrent. It, the, the fact that, that Yasukawa is, is, is still trying to work after that opening, and she could just goes right back to what she was doing, just, I mean, just hammering. This is, you know what? Brad, I'm just going to, you would say, I like stardom, and now I don't like him as much. I just, I don't want to see it. If if they did you know, that because they thought, oh, you know, be I nope, I'm out. I don't want to see it. It's more. It reminds me. It's not this. This example is not bad, but we but we were on break when it happened. But 
the way Shun Skywalker did not take care of Ben K when he legit knocked him out, like yeah, is, oh my god, is in um is in the same realm of this is not as bad, like nowhere near no. as bad, but that's like the same realm of like <coughs> just absolute disregard for the person you're working with. Like I I. I am hoping, and from what they say in WWE and AEW locker rooms, a lot of the old school stuff is is falling away. But there's a piece of it that I hope isn't, is that, like, I hope when Skywalker got back to the back, someone pulled him up short and put him against a wall and said, you need to get it together because that kind of stuff ain't going to fly. And if you ever do something like that again, if you, you know, like, some people have mixed opinions about it, but you know the 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 old story about the Undertaker threat with Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin at Mania, right? Like someone who's who's going to look at you and be like, you, you come back through this curtain, you know what's going to happen. Like there's a piece of me that hopes that 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 sticks around because if there's if there's nobody that's willing to put the fear of God in someone for for taking advantage of somebody else's trust, then what is there to stop them? I've like I'm not. This is not a defensive shoe Skywalker. I feel like he pulled a Charlotte Flair where he is too inexperienced and so incapable of going off script that it <coughs> wasn't necessarily malicious. He just had no idea of like how to improvise, so he just went through his bullshit for the fi- the finish. I'm gonna be less charitable than that. I don't think he stopped to notice. He was just like, "This is the stuff I'm gonna do," and he never. He just went into what he was going to do, and he never paid attention. He never took. Well, the moment. worst part about that is, is the ref realizes he's fucked, but the ref can't even do anything because he's already like into his next move, and the ref has to like save his own. Yeah, because Skywalker head. was gonna. After that, though, the ref should have like just stood up and pushed him. Here's the other. Thing. Yeah, no, the, the ref screwed up for... there too. Oh yeah, the thing that people, wrestlers seem to forget is when you're out there, the ref is the one that actually has the power. Everyone's got a part to play, but if the ref says, nope, match is over, guess what? Match is over. And I mean, the ref should have been, like, diving on top of him, not even, like, pushing him away. The ref should have been, like... Well, if the ref tackled Skywalker and said, dude, he's out, leave him alone, you know, that that's... Like the very first move, the ref is clued in while Skywalker's in the middle of doing like a standing moonsault. Okay, I understand that, right? You know, lots of stuff's happening. I'm just now catching it. But he goes to keep doing stuff. It's like, no, sir. Because now what happened? Everybody knows that ref ain't going to look out for you. Yeah. Speaking of refs, I went down this rabbit hole on break of watching clips of Randy Anderson and WCW just mauling fans that like ran into the ring. And I was thinking like Nick Patrick is scary, but Randy Anderson was like putting people in chokeholds. He was like neck wrenching people. Like I was like, ah, I might not um try him. That was uh, my favorite part about that is Bobby Heenan even hung a lampshade on it. He goes, that fan just got taken out by the smallest guy in the company. There's one where he, like, some dude comes in, and he, like, straight up, like, the guy's, like, coming through the ropes, and Anderson just kicks him in the face and puts him in a chokehold <laughs> until security, like, pulls him out. Yeah, he, he's got him in a front face lock. 
he almost rides it into a guillotine, but the guy starts twisting, so he just rides the face left to the ground. And then the ref comes and pulls him out, and then they get up and they finish the match. Like, and there's another one where he like <laughs> did something, and I think it was a DDP match, and like Anderson just gets him by like the head, and he's just like twisting his head until like they like drag the guy out. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, was, it was a weird rabbit hole, but um, that's all I, I just wanted to talk about the Yoshiko thing because I was aggravated about the tastelessness of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I thought you might look at it before the show, Shad, and I wanted to see how perturbed you were by it, and you were perturbed by it. So I am. I'm both perturbed and angered by it. Especially since it's obvious the act was trying to have, like... Even after the first thing, she goes back and starts trying to work again. Nope, yeah. can't be having that. Okay, well, um, if you guys, like, thanks for tuning in this week. I think there's no promises. I think we're going to come back next week with 1989 cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then go in from there. We have, we have some stuff planned for the winter. We have some guests lined up for later on. We do, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so stay tuned and join us next week. Yep, everybody. This has been uh, Shad with Matt and Brad. Um, thank you all for joining us. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>